Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. All right, today we're going to finish up our look at the book of Philippians. Turn with me to the fourth chapter of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to uh, begin our time uh, in this passage of Scripture at uh, verse 10. Now, this passage of Scripture speaks to us, I think, uh, very clearly today because of the fact that without a doubt this is one of the most uh, precarious and most uh, uh, difficult times in our history. We have uh, gone through uh, quite a bit of, of things in recent history and, and with uh, uh, all that is happening and all the, the issues that are going on. It's just uh, been a difficult time for everyone uh, getting adjusted to uh, life uh, and these circumstances has taken a lot, and it's taken its toll on a lot of people. It's caused uh, some people to uh, uh, to lose hope. It's caused other people to uh, take drastic measures in the uh, the face of of life as uh, different and unusual as it's ever been. Uh, the truth. Uh, is, is that many people have not been able to cope with uh, these difficult times. They find themselves in a time of hopelessness, a time of difficulty. Um, and uh, this is uh, one of the most uh, precious passages in the Bible of dealing with uh, a, a powerful promise that God has given to us. It's uh, dealing in uh, with a time in which uh, could take an optimist and turn them into a pessimist. It, it, uh, this uh, uh, attitude, though, uh, that is found here in the Scripture uh, can cause someone to uh, change their whole attitude on life and see a, a silver lining on the gray clouds of life. Uh, it can give hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless. It can make a, a slave man free and a, and a free man happy. It can build up a man's self-esteem and and cause uh, that man to... Uh, to turn from discouragement to a, a life of encouragement and uh, from despair to delight. And we want to look at this passage of Scripture. It's found in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4. And it is probably uh, along with some, and I've said this a couple of times in this series, It's a, uh, when we come to a passage of Scripture, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's a passage of Scripture that uh, many people have gained hope from. Uh, but the problem is, is that many times we don't understand the context. We don't understand uh, the significance of what's going on. And uh, so Paul says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last, 
uh, your care for, of me is flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lack opportunity. Not that I spe- uh, speak it in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. And I know both how to be abased and how to abound. He says, uh, Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have well done, and that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and uh, receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and to our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we see in this passage of Scripture a uh, a time at which, uh, excuse me, a time in which Paul is writing to uh, this church at, in Philippi, and he's addressing them about issues that are dear to him. He's waited to the end of this uh, this letter to to address this attitude, uh, this uh, this matter. And some people want to say, well, this, that means this was a part of a different uh, letter uh, that was just compiled together with this one. Other people say, no, uh, what that means is, is that uh, Paul is using... Uh, one of the things that, uh, that was done that was a pr- common practice was is if you were someone like Paul and you... Uh, you were someone who uh, sent letters like this, you would dictate the first part of your letter uh, for someone else, a scribe, to write it down for you and to, uh, to go through all that difficulty. Uh, and then at the very end, you would take up the pen yourself and uh, you would finish off the letter with personal comments along with uh, your salutation at the end. And other people uh, uh, that feel like they know what this is all about, uh, they say, no, what's going on here is is Paul is addressing a delicate matter of giving. And and I I tend to agree with some of the scholars that, that... that say this is a passage. Uh, this portion of the scripture here is Paul dealing with a delicate matter. Paul believed that he uh, was due the honor of being supported by those that he preached to. He believed that he was due the respect and the honor of, of personal support to, uh, by those that he was ministering to. 
But Paul never lorded that over the people that he was ministering to. Uh, instead, what Paul did was he was a, uh, we would call him a bivocational pastor. He was a tent maker. He would uh, make tents and he uh, would help and assist in making tents and sell them in the market. And he supported himself in the ministry. Not that he did not believe that, as I said, it's not that he didn't believe that he was due the uh, the respect of being supported by those that were uh, that he was ministering to, but what he believed was is that he did not want his message to be tainted by the fact that that they were supporting him. You see, there's some uh, pastors even to this day uh, that will not preach about important matters in Scripture because they're afraid of what the the church is, uh, the congregation is going to say about it. Uh, they don't want to preach about certain matters because they're afraid that uh, that people within the church will not agree with it or not be happy with it and therefore cut off uh, their support. So Paul believed that his it was important for him to support himself and to be able to be uh, supported by uh, his own labor rather than depend upon those that he ministered to uh, so that he'd be free to share the message that he wanted to share. Uh, so as a result, when Paul received gifts from churches like this church in uh, Philippi, he uh, felt... Um, he felt bad about it receiving that that gift, not that uh, that that he wanted to keep them from experiencing the joy of being able to help someone in their time of need, but rather he did not want them uh, to feel obligated to to help him. Uh, there was another matter here, and that is that Paul is. Uh, ministering to a church here in Philippi that that has gone through a period of time where they can't give or couldn't give. He said you were not able uh, under certain circumstances. And many scholars believe that uh, the church at Philippi, they were not able to financially support Paul. And so Paul was feeling bad about the fact that these people that had virtually nothing had sacrificed and and gathered together uh, uh, funds or gathered together supplies and things that he needed and sent them despite the fact that Paul said, don't send me anything. Uh, so Paul is, is addressing this, but more, more importantly, this gives us an occasion to, to see the heart of Paul and what Paul is saying more than anything else is not, uh, oh, you should, uh, you know, if we were to put that kind of sentiment in today's uh, vernacular, uh, you've heard people uh, that were given a gift say, oh, you didn't have to do that. You shouldn't have gone to the trouble. You shouldn't have done that. And that's a nice way of, of trying to... Uh, to uh, to say thank you for what you've given, but you really didn't need to. Now that's not exactly what Paul is doing here, even though what I just described to you is similar to what uh, people would say uh, that kind of phrase today. But what Paul is saying here is, is that I've gotten to the point where I am happy. I am content no matter where I am. Now remember where Paul is. Uh, and I've reminded you this throughout this study of Scripture. 
Remember that Paul is writing this from a prison cell. He's most undoubtedly writing this letter as he's chained between two Roman soldiers and he is in uh, in a uh, jail cell. He is not able to go and visit the church at Philippi in person and address these issues. That's why he's written this letter. And so Paul is saying in the midst of, of a jail cell in a place in which neither you or I or anyone else would want to be, he is able to say, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that you have remembered me. He's not rejoicing because they've sent some relief. He's saying, uh, he's saying, I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that, uh, that now at last your care of me has flourished again. Where, where, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. So he's saying to them, not that I'm so grateful that you have sent money to me finally, like the college student who is stuck in college and, had, and mom and dad finally sent him uh, money in the mail. I remember when that happened for me. I would get $5 in the mail from mom and dad and I would go around, look at here, I got me some money. I can go to Dairy Queen now and get me a blizzard. Uh, I was so happy to get $10 from mom and dad and, and I was able to uh, enjoy the fact that I had a little bit of pocket money in my pocket. I didn't have the conveniences of uh, being able to just uh, uh, mom and dad throw some money in my account uh, like we do nowadays. Uh, mom and dad actually sent a check and I had to go get it cashed in the bursar's office in the college. Uh, and, but I'd have $10 in my pocket and I was so happy to have that. Of course, I had all my needs met with uh, the tuition and, and the meal plan that I had, but it was nice to be able to have the option to do something different with a little bit of money. And Paul here is not saying, I've finally got some money. I'm so happy. No, what he's saying is, is I'm so happy that God has given you the opportunity to flourish in your ability to help others. That God has blessed you with the ability to help me in this circumstance. Even though I have gotten to the point where I am... Uh, uh, not wrapped up in those things. He says, you lacked opportunity before. Why? Because their life was difficult. They were going through struggles. They were unable to. And he's saying, I rejoice at the fact that God has brought you to a place in which now you're able to help and to send help and to think of me in that way and to care for me. He says, not that I'm speaking from a, a point of need or want. He says, because I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know how to, to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And so what Paul is saying here is, is that I'm rejoicing in the fact that you have learned uh, to be able to sacrifice and to be able to help others and that you are blessed with the opportunity to help. He says, but I've learned a secret. I've learned something in, in my life that 
most people don't understand. And that is what I want to share with you today. Paul says, I've learned both to rejoice when I have a lot and to rejoice when I have nothing. He says, I've learned to rejoice when I'm abounding and I've learned to rejoice when I'm abased. He says, I've learned to rejoice and to be appreciative when my stomach is full and I have learned to rejoice and to be happy when my stomach is empty. You know, we talked about Thanksgiving not too long ago and how uh, we're thankful for things and, and uh, at work and, and, and throughout our daily life, I'm sure that most of us probably did the same and that was uh, we talked about uh, all the things that we were able to, uh, to have on Thanksgiving Day. We talked, uh, you know, I, I had people ask me, well, what are you having? Are you having a turkey? Are you having a ham? Or Are you doing this? Are you doing that for Thanksgiving? And, and we talked about all the food that we were going to sit down and, and enjoy and all that kind of thing. And, and Paul here says, look, I, I would have been happy. I would have been thankful if I was able to sit down to a small bowl of oatmeal. He says, I've learned to be thankful when I have a great big feast in front of me and to be thankful when I have just a little small amount. There's a lot of people in America today that could use this lesson. How is it that Paul was happy in spite of what he had? It's because Paul's life was not wrapped up in the things of this world. Paul's life was wrapped up in his existence as a child of God. And that's what we've got to learn as well, is to be satisfied with being able to have a a wonderful existence of, of having things or being satisfied and happy at having nothing. Paul is here here saying, I've learned that I can be happy in in spite of all that. He says, how do I have how have I learned that? He says, I learned that I can do all things in Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, he says, the way that in which I am happy. And and a lot of us have taken that verse and said, okay, I'm I'm facing a difficult situation, so I I know that God is going to help me because I can do all things in Christ, through Christ who strengthened me. But what Paul is saying is, is I'm happy in the good times and in the bad times because God, my my hope is not contingent upon the things that I can do for myself, but my hope and my life is contingent and and based upon the fact of what Christ has done in me. He says, my, my existence, my happiness is based upon what Christ has already accomplished in my life. My life is not based on whether or not I become the CEO of a business or my company becomes a Fortune 500 company or uh, that I have a, a successful 401k or I have a big house. My life is existed upon the fact that Jesus Christ has died for my sins, has gone to the uh, 
uh, to uh, the, the grave and is risen from the grave and He takes upon Him my sins and He has redeemed me. He has set me free. Paul says that's why I'm able to be happy in times of sorrow. That's why I'm able to be happy in times of need. That's why I'm able to be able to rejoice not just when things are going good for me but when things are bad. Why? Because Jesus Christ has given His all for me. And that is what I'm basing my life on. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because Jesus Christ has given him eternal life. Jesus Christ has given him a new life. Jesus Christ has given him a life that's not tied to the things of this world. That's not happiness, is not tied to the fact that he has a big old uh, shiny brand new car, a big old yacht in the ocean, or he has uh, all the luxuries that life can afford. His life is, is based upon what Jesus Christ has given him. He says, I don't care about all the things of this world. I can, I can be full with a, uh, I can be sitting with a, uh, sitting back like a happy tick on the back of a coon hound, or I can be uh, uh, somebody that's wanting and needing and, and, and has nothing at all because Jesus Christ has given me <laughs> the one thing. <coughs> Excuse me, that means the most. And that is, He's strengthened me with His righteousness. He says in verse 14, Notwithstanding you have done well, that you did communicate with me in my affliction. He says you, you, you did wonderful. He says, look, I rejoice at what God is able to do through you because when I was in great need, you were the only ones that stood with me. You were the only ones. And when he says, when I was down in Macedonia, you were the only ones that communicated with me uh, concerning giving. Uh, uh, even in Thessalonica, you sent help to me. He says, uh, twice you sent me help, uh, not because I desired a gift, but because uh, I... Uh, desire fruit that may abound to your account. He's saying, look, you were able to give me in spite of the fact that I told you I didn't need any care. You sent me uh, support and it was uh, evidence of your uh, trust and dependence upon God. That offering that we're giving uh, each Sunday... When you give an offering plate is a testimony of your trust and faith that God's going to see you through to take care of 100% of your needs with only uh, uh, 90% of what you have remaining because you've given 10% to the Lord. It's a sign of faith. It's a sign of dependence upon God. It's a sign of lordship in your life, of Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and that the things of this world don't hold sway over you but that you, you're able to give a, a 
a, a portion of what God has blessed you with in order to support the ministry and, and the uh, outreach efforts of this church as a means of helping other people and, and trusting that God's going to help you to take care of your needs regardless of what you've given in the offering plate. That's what it means to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering or the Georgia uh, Baptist offering or whatever other offering that we give. It's not that, that we are asking that you scrape up and you scrimp and, and you go out and do an extra job so that you can give. You know, what it is, is an opportunity for you to display your faith and trust that God is going to meet your needs. In spite of what you put in that offering envelope, in spite of what you, uh, you give, that God's going to be able to take care of you and you trust in Him and you rely upon Him. That is what the gift of offering is all about. It's not that we're uh, that God doesn't need your money. Oh, you'll never hear most pastors say that. But what it is is an opportunity for you to display your faith and trust in God. And so you give what's precious to you. And for so many people, it's money. It's the resources that they have. And we're able to take those resources and we're able to take, those, uh, take them and, and send them to help a missionary that needs those resources to, uh, to reach people in a distant land that you or I will never see, never know of, or never hear of. But it's a display of that of your faith and trust in God. And when those offerings are received by that missionary, it is a display of God of faith and trust and hope that they place their whole life on hold for God and say, "I'm going to trust in you for a hundred percent of all the things that I need, and I'm going to trust that you're going to impress upon someone's heart to give an offering so that I can uh, feed my children and so that I can care for uh, my family while I'm out here ministering to people." that don't even have a language that's written in a written form that I can share with them the gospel message and that they can hear about one who died on the cross for their sins and who, who rose on the third day so that they might have eternal life. That's faith, that's hope, and that's an understanding of who uh, rules in this world. And we need more people that will live by faith. We need more people that will live by uh, the trust and the hope in God. Paul says, I, I, I'm sitting in the midst of a jail, but I rejoice at what God is doing in your life. I rejoice that you've demonstrated hope and faith in God. I rejoice that, that, that while I don't need these things, that you've sent me these things as a, an expression of your growth and of your development as a, as a, a child of God. And that, that what it means is, is that God is blessing me through your, uh, your faith and trust. And Paul says, these things don't have a sway on me, but I rejoice at what God is doing in you. That was what was so much important. Uh, uh, that was what was so important. And Paul, in his life, as he's writing this, he says, it's emphasized in verse 19. You don't think I, uh, that, that uh, you, you think, Pastor, you've you gone off the deep end. Look at verse 19. It's evidence of that. He says, but my God shall supply all of my needs. Why does he not need help from the church at Philippi? Because he says, God is going to supply all of my needs. He's got the faith. He's got the trust. He's got the hope in God, not in the money, not in the 401k, not in his savings account, not in his checkbook. He's got faith and trust in God. My God shall supply all of your needs 
as you have demonstrated your faith in giving me this offering, he says, God is going to supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever because He knows that God's going to provide for them. He doesn't have to wait and see God provide to make up the shortfall that is in their life because they gave generously to Him. He already knows that God is going to supply their needs because God is gracious. God is merciful. God is it responds to our demonstration of faith and our demonstration of dependence upon Him. And He says, I know that God's going to supply all of your needs so I am going to rejoice now at, at what He has done in your life. And how is it Paul is able to do that? Because he's experienced it for himself. He says, I believe all these things because I've seen them in me. He says, I've seen them in my life. That's the secret that Paul shares with us today that so many people today just can't grasp and, and hold on to. We live in a society in a world that wants to say, well, I've got to have this new phone that's come out. It's two inches bigger than the last one. Or I've got to have this new phone because it's got a third camera instead of two cameras. Or I've got to have this or that or the other. I've got to have these shoes that have the little fur on it. Or I've got to have uh, other shoes that have holes in them. Or I've got to have these pair of pants because they got big uh, legs on them. Or I've got to have these uh, pants because they got skinny legs on them. Uh, Paul says it doesn't matter. God's going to supply all of my needs. And so I don't have to have all the things of this world because I know God's going to provide the things I truly need. And that's why it wasn't important for them to send the offering. But Paul says, I rejoice that you have because it shows you're learning the lesson that God taught me. That I can be content wherever I am. I can be happy if, God, if I've got the phone that's got the three cameras or if I've got the, uh, the, uh, the phone that's tiny or the, t- the phone is as big as a, ta- uh, uh, a chalkboard or I've got a, uh, uh, this or that or the other. He says, I'm happy with whatever I have because I know God's given it to me. And if I have a need, He'll provide it. But I'm happy that you're learning it too. And in this time in which we're getting, uh, where we've been thanking God for things, in this time where we're getting ready to give each other presents for somebody else's birthday, the birthday of Jesus Christ, where we sit and talk about the things we need or want or have to have or or should have, or, or would love to have, or whatever. God teaches us the true meaning of what it means to be happy, to be content. And that is to have what God wants us to have. To have the things that God believes are important for us to have. Whether in we're sitting on the beach in a tropical location or sitting in the midst of a jail in a dank, dark,
place facing the executioner, we can be happy because God is providing our needs. And He is seeing us through. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just pray that You would help us to learn. Help us to learn that life is not about things, but about a relationship to You. Life is not about uh, the accumulation of toys and things that clutter and collect dust and get in the way. But life is about having a relationship with You. Having that understanding that You are there for us and meet all of our needs. Lord, we pray that You would help us to to understand these things, grow closer to You, and help us to understand that if all those things are, are not so important, that we can let go of the things of this world and help others reach other people's needs, to help them to know that Jesus Christ is there for them, that Jesus Christ died in their place that Jesus Christ rose victorious over the death, the grave, and the sin, and hell, that they can have eternal life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.